we'll just adapt. What is it, um, Mrs. Miss Gloria used to say? Be infinitely flexible. So we're flexible around here. You know, I was as as they were singing that song. When I think about the Lord, I was thinking about Dan had everybody sing that again. You know, He is faithful. He is so faithful. And how many of you got to be here last Sunday? Wasn't it so, you know, it's 10 years of, of blessing here in Florida. And that's the first time we've really done that. We've done videos uh, for a long time in Branson, but it's the first time we'd put one together here in Sarasota going over all of those things. And as we came together, um, I'll just tell you, I was on the plane coming back from Branson watching that video Brother Devin had been working on it, and we were looking at it. And I'm sitting on the plane, and almost, I didn't expect it. I wasn't thinking about it. I'm okay. I'm just going to stick with the handheld, yeah. Um, I I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't thinking about it. But, you know, just the, the glory of the Lord was there in that video. And as those things started coming up, all that I could think about in my heart was, He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And I found myself sitting up against a window on the plane with tears just rolling down my face, not tears of sadness, but joy because he is faithful. And I was excited about Sunday because we were all coming together in one place to talk about his faithfulness and to give thanks for those things that have happened. And I started thinking as we were sitting here just a few minutes ago, what if this church wasn't here? Having come through watching that video last Sunday and project after project after project, those are kingdom projects. Those are things happening in the kingdom of God. And what if this church wasn't here? Those projects, I'm not saying God wouldn't accomplish some of those things in other ways, but those projects with this group of people in this place wouldn't have happened. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm even more thankful that I got to be a part of it. And that we get to come together. We're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. It fits right in with what we're talking about. And thanks for the plug, Shereen. I'd mentioned a couple weeks ago when I spoke that there might, you know, there was more. So little did we know. More was coming quickly. But I believe it is going to be good. So we talked about stirring it up. And we talked about stirring up ourselves in the Lord. Because, you know, as believers, we're not always in a place where we're surrounded by like people of like faith. We're not always in a place where we are sitting next to the happiest person on earth and they're going to fill us full of faith and joy and they're only going to speak good things in our lives. That's not always the case. Many of us have secular jobs, right? Uh, we work in the world. You're surrounded by people that, that don't think exactly like we are. But we can stir ourselves up in our faith. We can keep ourselves stirred up. Amen. I'm just going to review a, a little bit on this because, as I said, we're going to continue developing this idea. Um, but our key scripture, one of them was 2 Timothy 1.6, where Paul said, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee. And we talked about the fact that, you know, there are times when we need to do that. And, and he was teaching us how by, by reviewing some things. We're going to catch on even more. But central to this whole idea of stirring ourselves up is that we are supposed to be about kingdom work. We're supposed to be stirred up because we're supposed to be set apart as believers in this world. We're supposed to be different than the people that are around us that are non-believers. We're supposed to be about the Great Commission. We are the tools, you and me. We are the tools that God uses to grow the kingdom. 
That's a privilege, right? We are the tools that he uses. And that's the most important thing that we're going to accomplish on this earth is the Great Commission, is going out and telling people that about Jesus and telling people about what he did. That's the most important thing we're going to accomplish. That's why we have to keep ourselves stirred up, because if you're not doing it and I'm not doing it, uh, it ain't getting done. Amen. And it's a privilege to get to do it. Amen. So we talked about three specific ways. Uh, there's many, but these were three specific ways that we stir ourselves up. The first, does anybody remember? Faith. Yes, I heard it. Faith. We approach everything through faith. It's by faith that we please God. It's, it's, it's a assurance that, uh, what he has, compl- what he started in us, he'll complete. What he began, he's going to finish. He's a starter and he's a finisher. That's what we want to be. Amen. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't have to see it to believe it. But what God has said, he will accomplish. So we stir up our faith. That was number one. Number two, I won't keep putting you on the spot. (laughs) Tommy would know every answer, I'm sure of it. Thankfulness and gratitude, remembering that he who promised is faithful. How do we do that? We revisit the good things that he's done in our lives. We talk about testimonies every single week around here. What do we say? We give God the glory and give the devil none. That's how you you go back. You're thankful. That's what Paul was talking about. You go back. You remember these are the things that Jesus did. They were talking about specific things that they had seen on earth, miracles that they had seen with their own eyes. Amen? Timothy and the, and the others, they had seen it. Other, if they hadn't seen it, they had heard it. They had heard direct firsthand testimony. There was no third, fourth, fifth hand. They knew it. They knew these things to be true, and they kept recalling it. Why? Because thankfulness and gratitude stir you up. It'll stir us up. Amen? And then fellowship with him. This is an important one, and I think it's one of the hardest as believers. And if people were honest, it's one of the ones that uh, we don't take seriously enough in our Christian walk. And the truth is it only takes a little bit of step in that direction to change everything. But we have to fellowship with him. We have to make time to spend with the Father. We incline our ear. Remember talking about that? Inclining. It's not passive listening. It's, I'm going to, it's, it's almost sitting down and saying, okay, Lord, what have you got? Show me. I'm listening. I'm ready. It's a it's a very deliberate way of listening to him and fellowshipping with him. Amen. Philippians 4, 6 was our verse on that. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the secret to staying stirred up we talked about is stirring yourself up. We don't have to wait on others. If we're always looking around to others to, to, to do it, uh, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be deceived sometimes. Amen? Because we're looking around for satisfaction instead of looking around and being led by the Spirit, what we're taking in. I need my fix for today. When we start looking for a fix instead of looking for the truth and the Holy Spirit to guide us, we're in trouble. So we don't want a fix. We don't want a quick fix. We want the word of God in our lives. We want his word over our lives. So we're going to fellowship with him. Amen. So that's a quick summary of what we covered last week. Oh, good. I've got water and you don't. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. I didn't check everybody under everybody's seat, but 
Glory to God. So I did say that we were going to get to a second part. And the second part I mentioned is stirring up others. Or the title for tonight is actually, excuse me, is actually encouraging others. We're called as believers to build ourselves up. But another part of that is we're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to build one another up. Amen. So why do we need to stir each other up? Well, we live in a time where we are constantly bombarded with information. It's constant. It's everywhere around us. We have, we have computers in our hands. They may have Apple Watch on. Yep, various people are smart watches. We have computers on our arms. They're telling us everything that we need to know. They're keeping track of our schedule. They're calling us. We're being constantly bombarded with information. Um, and almost none of that information is truly meaningful. I'll just say it. Some of it's helpful. I'm not denying that it's a good thing. And technology, I'm not knocking technology. It's a, it helps us to accomplish a lot of things for the kingdom. But a lot of the information we're bar- we are bombarded with constantly. And you know what bombarded means? It's just coming at you all the time. It's like the fists are just flying. It's just constantly hitting you here, there, and everywhere. It's coming from every direction. You're bombarded. Amen. We're busy. We're distracted. And we're focusing on the wrong things. Constantly doing but never getting anything done. Don't raise your hands, but I've struggled with that. I've struggled with this very thing. Amen. Our interactions with people are no longer intentional. They're by happenstance or by interruption or by, (laughs) you know, people that should be interrupting us uh, can't because we're focused on something else. Because we're taking in other information. We have um, our, our watches tell us when to get up. They tell us when now's a good time to go to sleep. They tell us, oh, you met your fitness goals for today. They tell you they'll set, set them upright, And they'll tell you if John and Susie and Timothy and Tom and Paul and everybody else has met their fitness goals for the day. Because it's all about competition, right? Does anybody relate to that? I, I hear these ding, ding, dings coming from watches. It's like, oh, I met my goals for today. Oh, it's, our, we'll be sitting in the living room and Amy said, hers goes, ding, ding. It's like sleep time. It's a good time to go to bed. <laughs> We're letting our watches tell us this, really? But we are so bombarded by this stuff. And the, it's no mistake that we live in this time. It's no mistake because the enemy knows that distracted people, they can't focus. They don't accomplish what they're supposed to get accomplished, right? I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I really went through a time when I was really having problems focusing on things. And, of course, you know, the enemy is sitting right there to say, oh, you've got your memories going. You're you're already, you're slipping. We laugh, but it happens. And I got to a place where finishing a conversation was difficult for me to stay focused long enough for me to think, okay, this is what we were talking about. It's a scary thing. And the fear will set in real quick if you let it. But when I, when I finally got my senses together and I inquired of the Lord about it, all I got was focus. And my problem was that I had lost focus. I was doing 10,000 things and doing, getting, as I said earlier, nothing was getting accomplished. 
I was writing this. I was working on that. Someone knocks at the door. The landline's ringing. Your email's going off. Your text is buzzing on your phone. You're getting an, a, a, another phone call on your phone while you're on the landline talking to somebody in Branson. It's constant. Some, then someone knocks on your door. And, you know, we have human nature is I want to be a pleaser. I want everybody to be happy. I want to answer every call when it comes in. I don't want anybody to think I'm because if you don't answer a text, they think you're mad at them. And then you got to deal with that. Well, you're mad at me. I'm not mad at you. Or, you know, you know what I'm talking. Does anybody else? Am I alone in this? It's constant. And, you know, I learned I don't have to answer the phone just because it rings. Now, there are people in our lives that we've given place to that we should be able to take their calls when they call. That's not what I'm talking about. But everybody that calls you isn't vital. We love them. They're good people. We'll get to it. But, you know, I had to learn that it was okay to say, I can't do that right now. I'm in the middle of something else. I've got to finish this up. And what happened was I went from, you know, being hyper unproductive and fooling myself into thinking anything was getting done, to maybe only getting three or four things done in a day. But they were three or four things that are done well. And you know what I noticed in my own life is, I noticed that by focusing, suddenly my thoughts weren't drifting the way that they were before. And no, I didn't start taking medication. I didn't start changing my eating habits. I started focusing on what was important. And letting the Lord help me with what was important. And letting my boss help me with what the priorities are for the week. Instead of making everybody else happy. Well, it helps you. The enemy wants to distract us from the goal. He wants to distract us so that we don't fulfill our direction and our purpose. That's the whole point of this whole thing. And, you know, it's kind of like... Has anybody, did anybody ever go to the circus when they were little? I know they don't have circuses anymore because they're politically incorrect in most cases. We can't train animals like that, I guess. So, But anyway, when you go to the circus, I was reading a book about uh, John Ringling. We know him very well here in Sarasota. But he was talking about, you know, go to the big three-ring circus. Do you know the whole idea was to keep you so distracted that you had to buy a ticket and come back the next night because you couldn't see everything? It was all, I mean, and I'm not knocking it. I had fun when I was a kid going, but you could never take it all in. There was something going on in front of you, and there's something going on down there. And, oh, I can't see what's going on over there, but people are cheering, and there's fire on this end down here. And there's an elephant running around and doing all this. The idea, it's exactly the tool. It's a favorite tool of the enemy to keep us so looking around, thinking we won't won't miss anything, that we really don't see anything. And in the, while we think we're looking at all this important stuff, we are missing stuff just left and right. Where could I help somebody? Where could I minister to somebody? Did, did I, maybe I didn't take the only call that I needed to take that day to help with somebody, to pray with somebody, because I was distracted by something else, other things going on. And you get to going so fast. You're missing things. We lose our focus. This is not a circus. That's how the enemy operates. We're not supposed to operate like that. We're supposed to be different than him. Amen? Amen. Um, and I'll just say this. You know, as I'm talking about all this stuff, did any, I, when I start talking about that, my blood pressure kind of starts trying to inch up. The enemy uses that. It causes anxiety about things. And some of these things are good things. I'm not saying you don't even have to be focusing on bad things. 
you can be focusing on good things that are still the wrong things. Amen? It distracts us from the work at hand. It's why we must guard our hearts and our minds constantly. Amen? It's why we, we talked about in the beginning, in our review, we have to fellowship with him. Why? Because it's key to staying focused. It's, an, it's how we stay focused so that we can be an encourager. Philippians 4, 7 in the King James says, we could all quote it, And the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. How do you keep your peace? Through Christ. Through focusing on him, through fellowshipping with him. That's how peace comes. By spending time in the word, how keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You guys, the word couldn't be any clearer if we'll just read it. I can't tell you how many answers when I finally go to the word. There it is in black and white, sometimes red. Amen. It's there. So that we need to stay focused and that's going to that will help us. Um, to stay, you, th- you think I'm off subject, but we're not. By staying focused, it helps us to stir ourselves up and stir others up. Because I'm where I need to be to encourage someone else. Amen? Another reason we should encourage each other is, I just said it, the word tells us to do it. If it's in there, you know, I used to say, There's, this isn't full of suggestions, folks. <laughs> it's not, it'd be nice if you'd do this. It'd be nice if you'd do that. It's full of great things and full of commandments that we, if we'll follow them and we'll do the word and not be hearers only, it'll change us. First Thessalonians 5, uh, from the NIV, and I'm actually gonna, not gonna read the whole chapter, so I may jump around a little bit, and I'll try and tell you. But it starts out, now brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Jump to verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore... Encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Now, if you go back, and you don't need to keep flipping back on these, but he's saying, what is he doing in those prior verses? But you're not, we aren't children of darkness. We aren't living like them. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So let's not be like the others. For God did not appoint us to suffer. He's encouraging them in the scripture. He's saying these things are happening, but we're not subject to that. That's not how we're supposed to live. And he's saying, encourage one another and build each other up, just as you are doing. And then jump to 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. This is what we're supposed to be about, encouraging one another, doing what's better for someone else. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, too. I've heard people say, uh, kind of care, you'll ask about something, they'll say, well, am I, am I their keeper? Am I their responsibility? Well, do you know who you're quoting when you say that? It's a Bible quote. 
It's Cain. Who was disrespectful and jealous and bitter and killed his own sibling. And he was talking to God when he said it, basically. Well, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to know where he is? The truth is, the word is full of scriptures, just like I just read to you. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Do those sound like we're supposed to be taking care of one another? Does it sound like I might need to be my brother's keeper from time to time? Careful who you're quoting, or at least make sure of the source before it comes out of your mouth. (laughs) I don't want to be a cane. I want to be a respecter of others. Amen? Well, and another reason before I get into some specifics we should encourage one another is because it produces hope. Encouragement produces hope. Romans 15, 1 through 6. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Are you listening? For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement, uh, excuse me, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. There's a couple of key things in here you need to get. We're supposed to uh, please our neighbors for their good to build them up, even as Christ did not please himself. He's our example. Amen. And his example was to put others ahead of himself. We know in the garden that his flesh said, I wish I could do something else. But nevertheless, your will be done. Because he understood that if he put himself first, we wouldn't be here today. We have no hope without Christ. There is no hope without him. We, we, we talk about the scriptures. We get together. We read the scriptures. We read the word. Why? Because they provide, because through the endurance and everything that's happened in the past, we're taught and that encouraged that we might have hope. Amen. It goes on to say, uh, did I, wait, did I skip a verse? Yeah. And it goes on to say in verse five, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward one another that Christ had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify and and glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope has a vital connection to faith. Hope can even produce faith. Our hope is tied to the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. He said he would do it. He did it. He said he would do it. He did it. He said he would do it. He did it. What does that produce? Hope. When he says it, he'll do it. That's what the word proves out in our in both this word that he's given to us, but also in the word that's been played out every day in our lives. If God says it, he'll do it. If God says it, he'll do it. Every time you hear a testimony of the goodness of God, how many of you say he'll do it for me? He did it for them. We do this every week. If he'll do it for them, he'll do it for me. Why? Because he's faithful. And that's encouragement. So when we encourage and we get together and we're talking, we're producing hope in others. It sets us apart. Amen. 
So how do we encourage one another? I think sometimes when we talk about encouraging, we kind of tend to, to err on the side of thinking it's just being nice to somebody. You're going to make it, sister. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, brother. I know what I don't know what you're going through, but you're going to make it. And that's good. I'm not saying don't encourage one another that way. But there are actual things that we should be doing daily as we interact with people that are an encouragement to them. You want to hear about some of them? Well, the first one is in order for me to encourage you, I have to be I have to participate. I can't play in a game that I don't show up to. And I can't um, encourage, love, and urge others to follow good things if we're never around each other. It got really quiet. If we don't know each other, how can I encourage you? If we don't fellowship together, how do I share what God's doing in my life with you? Amen? If we neglect meeting together, then we cannot do the stirring up that's necessary for our Christian walk together. I get excited about being around people. Now, I know... Some of you won't believe this, but I'm very introverted by nature. I can be alone a lot of the time and be very happy. Introverted, look it up. It doesn't mean what most people think it does. You know, oh, he gets up and talks in front of people. That doesn't mean you're not an introvert. It means I'm exhausted when it's over with. But great news, I have a comfortable bed and a quiet house. But you understand, I, I, I coming together with people, I still enjoy doing that. And I enjoy doing it more with you guys. I was excited about that crowded lobby last Sunday. The desserts weren't bad either. But I get excited about coming together. We met new people last week. I met people that have been coming to the church for a couple of years that we've never had the opportunity to actual talk, actually talk. I've seen their faces on volunteer applications, but I've never met them. That's fellowship. That's coming together. If I wasn't here, I can't participate in that. If I wasn't here, I didn't get to meet those people. If I wasn't here, I didn't get to hear that I look smaller in person than I do on TV. I take that as a compliment. But you understand, we have to come together. And why does this idea of fellowship keep coming up? We didn't get a memo to talk about it. Nobody sent a memo out to, to the church or to any of it, to Brother Copeland or to anybody else that's talking about fellowship and say, we need to start getting people back in church. We need to start getting people back in church. It's because we live in a time when it is becoming so uh, separated. The world talks about connection, and we are less connected than we have ever been. How many of you have heard that? We're connecting. We're connecting. Well, we're connecting through social media, which is not connecting. It's not real. It doesn't represent real life. There's all these platforms out there. So if this one starts bothering me, I can jump to this platform. And this one's the truth for a little while, and then that one's the truth. That's not connecting with people. No, no, no. It's a good tool, but it's not connection. Not the way that we're supposed to be connecting. Amen? Hebrews um, 10, 24, and 25 in the NIV says, let's see. Hebrews 10, 24, yep. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We should be doing this more now than ever before, regardless of whether you believe we're in end times or not. We're closer to end times than when this was written. 
we should be getting together and encouraging and coming together and fellowshipping more now. Why? Because it says right there, driving, driving us, uh, stirring us up to one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. There's scripture for what we're talking about, y'all. It's good. Now go back to verse 23 that tells us where the stirring up should begin. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast to the profession of our hope that we possess for he who promised is faithful. This is the beginning of coming together and the beginning of hope. We hold to the hope that he who promised is faithful. This is how it starts. He promised he's faithful. Amen. We're this is connection. Because of the hope that produces, he goes on and says, uh, let, put verse 24 back up. I wasn't going to do this part. And I actually kind of, I don't know if you can tell, but I made the font really light because I was going to skip it. But I'm going to do it anyway. Um, because sometimes you need to break it down. The first one, verse 24, says consider. That's contemplating. It's cons When I'm considering something, I'm making it a concern. I'm thinking about it. I'm spending some time with it. It's important to understand. Then how to stir up one another. This means to provoke or promote with intention and purpose. It indicates motion in a certain direction for a certain purpose. I talked about that last week. Sometimes you need to be stirred up for healing. You need somebody around you to say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are healed. You are whole. You are complete in him. He, he paid the price. He bore your sicknesses and your diseases. You need to stir that up, or maybe it's finances. Whatever it is, this, you, you're provoking that in someone else. I'm encouraging that in you. I'm bringing that out in you to love. And when in love here, this is talking about the God love that has everything that you need at its core. That's what God's love. It's everything that you need. It's talking about stirring that up, not for our benefit, but for the kingdom. Amen? And good work. This is continual selfless work and service for others that that's display, that's, uh, displays the sincerity of our faith. Why do I choose to do that? Because I believe it. I believe this to be true. I'm going to show you through work that a lot of people get upset about that. We don't, we don't do works, Brother Tom. Well, you better be doing works. And I'll tell you why, because the scripture says to do it. James uh, 2, 14 through 18 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Right there. And it says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. We choose to do these things. We choose to come together. We choose to encourage one another, not because we have to. We're not saved by works, but it's how I demonstrate my faith. It's how I demonstrate to you that I believe this to be true. I believe every word that's in here to be the true word of God. And by, by showing you that, I'm showing you love, I'm showing you hope, and I'm showing you connection and encouragement. Amen? Fellowship is core to our Christian faith. Focusing on our others and not focusing on others and not on ourselves develops our own faith and produces hope. 
Fellowship develops the gifts within us and it develops our own walk with the Lord. For me to advance, I need fellowship. I need to hear what God's doing. I don't have all the light that there is. You have different light than I have. Stephen has different light than I have. John has different light than I have. As we get together and as we fellowship and we talk and we share, we grow. The light expands. Amen? It's a good thing. He knows what's best for us. When he says get together and be encouraged, he knows it's good for us. Amen? So I'm going to give you... See how we're doing? Oh, we're doing good, y'all. We're doing good on time. Um, eight ways that I, you know how I like to give lists. So get your pen ready. It's a second part, study guide part two. Um, eight ways to build each other up. We already said that the first thing is you have to show up. You have to be in the game. You're going to have to come together. You're going to have to get, get ready at the end of a busy day and go home and change clothes and get to church. Even when you don't feel like it. I would say especially when you don't feel like it. Because I have found for me, the times I really don't want to go to church are the times that I had an answer coming. That's not by coincidence. You choose. You get up. Put on your big boy shoes, big girl shoes, and go to church. You have to be there. That's number one way. Number two, or first, I'm sorry, that was just the preamble. Number one. We must recognize that others are more important. We just talked about that in the scripture. That's the example that Christ himself set for us. Others above ourselves. That's true service to the kingdom. Amen. Philippians 2 verses uh, 3 through 5 in the King James. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Does that sound like community? The answer is yes. Sounds like community. It sounds like community, and it sounds like putting others first. When we put others first, we focus less on our needs. And in a a roundabout way, help our needs be met. Because the more you focus on your needs, the bigger they get. The more you realize, uh, the more you focus on what I don't have, the bigger that becomes in your life. The more I focus on helping someone else, in my, in my life, I can tell you from experience, when I have a need, I help somebody else. Whether it's sewing financially or going and helping them uh, physically or whatever I can do. If I have a need, we sew. That's how your needs get met, not by sitting there focusing and looking at them. God knows that selfishness sets in if we focus on ourselves. So we, number one, we recognize that others are more important. And when you get in that mindset, it really frees you up. And you'll find you really don't, there's a whole lot of things that you think are really important that suddenly aren't. Because others are more important. Number two. We need to choose our words carefully, cautiously, for those of you that just reacted to the words careful. We're word people, aren't we? But we need to choose our words with caution. We need to choose them uh, with care. We need to do that. Psalms 141.3 in the NIV says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
we need to think before we speak. We live in a confrontational world. People like to fight. Look on social media. You'll see it every day. They'll fight with people. Because you know what? I can say something online that to Dan, I don't know that Dan's 10 feet taller than me and could take me out with a thump. So people are becoming more confrontational. We're more angry. There's more of that going on. Dan wouldn't take me out with a thump, by the way. Dan loves me. But we have to, we need to learn instead of reacting in anger to react in love and compassion. We should be set apart from the rest of the world. We're believers. People around you should know that something's different about you. If you're at work, even if you've never once, you know, stood up and, uh, and on your desk, and I wouldn't recommend that you do that, by the way, and scream, I'm a believer. People should know something's different about you. You should be screaming it in other ways. Because honestly, that's not going to convince anybody. What's going to convince them is how you act when you go to the lunchroom or how you act when you run into them at the coffee machine. That's, that's, that's uh, choosing our words carefully. It's guarding our mouths. It's how we respond to situations. Amen? And if you think others aren't watching you once they find that out, oh, brothers and sisters, they're watching. People who have had a bad experience in church are looking for people who keep them out of church. They're, looking, they're not looking to, to get over that. They're looking to validate it. They're watching. We should be different. Amen. Your opinion is useless to change anybody or to witness to anybody. The Holy Spirit in you will give you the right words to say at the right time if we do that. So we need to choose our words carefully. Amen. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Anybody know what that says? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Choose them carefully, right? Number three, don't be a Debbie Downer. Do you know how easy it is to join in the complaining? Super easy. I remember um, Amy's uh, brother was was a youth pastor at one time. And he she talks about an example that he gave when he had one of the youth get up on a table and stand there. And then he had another youth of like size and stature come over to the table. And he he told the one standing on top of the table, pull them up. Pull them up. And they struggled and they tried. It's very hard to pull somebody up. It's very hard to, to, to pull them up on that table with you. And then he said to the person on the ground, pull them down. How hard was that? Not very hard. It's much easier to go down into the fray of people talking than it is to stand alone and to refuse to be in, join into the negative. I'm not saying stand there in a pious way. And, and, and declare that I'm not joining that. But you don't have to say anything. You don't have to get in the middle of it and chime in. Right? We shouldn't be, we should be speaking faith, not doubt. And I'm sorry for any of the Debbies out there. I feel bad for Debbies and Karens right now. Because the ones I know are wonderful people that are full of joy and that spread good things. So I apologize if you're Debbie, because I don't think that about you. You understand the point. Our point is to encourage others, not jump on the bandwagon of, bandwagon of doubt and unbelief. I don't want doubt and unbelief. Do you? Romans 4.17 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Do we have it? It's a KJV. 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 
Romans 4.17. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom ye beloved, even God, who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. We do not want to come into agreement with doubt and unbelief and negativity. We want to say the opposite. We want to say, we want to speak faith into the situation. Stick with faith. It will not let you down. Because he who promised is faithful. Amen. Hope produces faith. Be, be the hopeful, faithful person in the situation. Number four, be quick to forgive. Is that encouraging? It's encouraging. Do you know that you and I have the power to, to deliver and release people from condemnation? You say, well, that's a bold statement. Do you know that if I forgive quickly, the best thing is for condemnation never to set root into a situation. I can choose to say, you know what, that hurt, but I forgive. I can choose to not even allow that person to step into condemnation. I'm not talking about delivering them from their sin. I'm talking about I'd, I can choose forgiveness. And I hear people say, well, I can forgive, but I can never forget. That's not forgiveness, by the way. Colossians 3:13 through 15 in the Living Bible says, Be gentle and ready to forgive. Read this next part very carefully. Never hold grudges. Do you know what that is? It's remembering. If you remember, you will hold a grudge. Um, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We have the power to release people from condemnation. Amen. Guilt and shame never build somebody up. That never helps a brother to put them under guilt and shame. Maybe they did something wrong. So have you. So have I. We can choose to forgive quickly. Amen. Uh, number five, don't stir up strife. There's a good one. I know everybody said, I never, ever do that. Well, why would you ever want to cause anybody else to unnecessarily stumble? Why would you ever want to bring them in the presence of the enemy into any situation? You don't, amen? Don't talk behind someone else's back. You know what that is? It's gossip. That's right. Never share what is spoken to you in confidence. You know what that is? unfaithful and it's stirring up strife the only reason to repeat something is to stir something up to say something unkind either either you falsely believe that it makes us feel we falsely believe it makes us feel better about ourselves or makes somebody think we know something that we don't don't stir up strife the enemy does a good enough job of that we don't need that we don't need it in our lives and it's not encouraging Listen for a Holy Spirit answer. Go back there. If you didn't get one, don't say anything. Amen. That's, I think that, you know, the, the scripture talks about taming the tongue a lot because it's the, the Lord knew that was going to be a challenge for most of us. Amen. If you don't have an answer that comes up from in here, don't don't say it. If it, you know, it's, uh, Janet used to say that came from here, not from here. Or it came from here, not from here. See, that's right. So you want things to come from here. If it's coming from here and out here, don't say it. 
It's not going to be edifying. Amen. So uh, our scripture on that one is Proverbs 17, 9 from the ESV. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. What does love do? Love covers. Love doesn't promote strife. Love covers. Love tries to make it better. Love tries to encourage someone else and keep it good. Amen. Number six. Is that what we're on? Did I skip one? Nope. Number six. Testify to the goodness of God. What has God done for you? Um, in Second Peter, our scripture we read earlier, he said, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. That's because my God has given you a testimony in a situation to help someone else. To share. That doesn't mean that, you know, there are things that have happened in my life that I have never shared until the right situation came up. And the Holy Spirit says, it's time to share that with them. Because it's going to matter to them. You can share something at the wrong time and it doesn't come off as helpful. You still have to be led in the situation. But if God has done something good for you, he's going to give you opportunity to share that and to encourage and to build up your brothers and sisters. Amen. So we need to ask him for those opportunities because when God does something good for me, I want to share it. Amen. When God does something good for you, are you just what are we supposed to do? Thank you, Lord. That was nice. He helped me. You know, I'll tell you what. When God meets a financial need, I say, glory to God. We paid cash for something we've never paid cash for. When I'm feeling better and I'm getting healed from a disease, are you going to say, oh, thank you, Lord? No. You're going to say, thank you, Lord. So that when you face someone else and Robert has something that Tom's been through, I can say, Robert, God did this for me. He delivered me. When they said there wasn't hope, he, he gave me hope. And not only that, I'm healed and I'm free and I'm delivered. I don't even have to go back. Glory to God. Does that encourage Robert when he's facing the battle for someone else to say, I've been there. I've been in exactly the same situation and I came through. Not only did I come through, but I'm better than I was before. I've, I've recently had, have, had some challenges physically. The Lord's helping me. But as I went through one of the tests, they said, this doesn't, this doesn't repair itself, generally speaking. And I said, never. And the doctor said, well, in 30 years, I can't say I've never seen it happen. But it's rare. And I said, well, you're looking at a rare person. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, and I'm good. Glory to God. I have no question about it. I know because I have the word, what he promised and what he said he's faithful to do. Does that help somebody else going through something for me to be able to say it's rare, but it happened to me? It doesn't happen all the time, but God does it. And that's what I loved about asking that. That was a God question when it came out of my mouth. Does it ever happen? Because no things always happen. Because I know God is doing things all the time. And I know any doctor I'm talking to has come into contact with my God at some point, whether they realize it or not, whether they call it a miracle or not. But that's what Tom needed to hold on to. Well, it's rare, but I'm a rare breed. And the staff is going, yes, you just don't even begin. Oh, he's a rare one. And thank God he's alone. He's an individual. 
Glory to God. But we're supposed to share those things. You want to testify to the goodness of God. You want to share what he's done for you. Because just like Brother Keith says, every service, if he's done it for you, he'll do it for someone else. And that will help people more than almost anything you can say to them. You can sit and read them the word all day long, but for them to see that it's happened. What was he what was he talking about in the temple? He was talking about things Jesus had done. He had seen those things. Do you believe that ministered to the people he was talking to? Then why do you think that what is happening to you, what Jesus has done in your life, what the Father has has delivered on his promises doesn't change someone else? That's a first-hand testimony of the goodness of God. That's exactly the same thing as the people who saw Jesus performing these things happened. You saw it. You, you know that there was no way out. You know that there was no money in that account. You know that God had to make a way because you know there was no way. There was no healing. There was no way to meet that need. There was no money to pay that bill. You know it happened because of him. Because you didn't tell anybody else that it was going on. Amen. Have you had those kind of faith experiences? If you haven't, you can. Because he does it every day. And that's what we should be sharing with one another. Okay, number seven, stay humble. When we start coming off as holier than thou, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. We need to remember we've all fallen short. The scripture says we've all fallen short. Amen. Every single one of us. Don't judge others. People have different light on different things. They can be, maybe they started church the same day you did 20 years ago. Maybe you have come to every service and sat together and you have heard the same sermons and you've sang the same songs and you've seen the same testimonies and you've heard them and you've listened. And that person sitting right next to you is not going to have the same light that you have. They're going to have some different information than you do. They will have seen some different things. They've been through some different stuff. Even spouses. That's a hard one sometimes in a marriage to not, to, you know, we think we don't judge one another. We try, we could, we have opportunity every day. Because sometimes you just honestly think you should know better than that. Why did you just say that? I'm talking about Amy's thoughts toward me, of course. Right? Or someone that you live with or, or whatever the situation may be. Don't judge. Stay humble. You were there once too. You didn't have all the answers. You still don't if you're honest with yourself. Amen. Stay humble. The, in Romans three twenty three, it says, we should all quote this one real simple. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all by the measurements uh, not made it sometimes. But stay humble. Um, we humble people are spirit-led people. Write that down and think about it a little bit. Humble people are spirit-led people. Because the Holy Spirit never is about you. When God is doing something, I'll let you in on it. It's never about you. He may be using you as a tool. You may be the vessel he's using to deliver it. You may be the words. The words may be spoken through your mouth, but it's not about you. It doesn't draw attention to you. It draws attention to the Lord. It draws attention to the word. That's humility. Humble people are spirit-led people. Amen. 
And then number eight, be positive and just ooze happiness. That's a way to encourage one another. Positive thinking is purposeful, it's de- definitive, and it's outspoken. How many? I, I kind of laughed about happy people. I used to work with this lady, and she would come in and help us all the time, actually. She was some of the best help we had. But she was the happiest morning person you have ever been around. And she would come in, and you would see her, and she'd say, It's a beautiful day. And if I hadn't had my coffee, you just... Why are you so happy? This was years ago, of course, years and years ago. Many, many years ago, actually. (laughs) More than I care to repeat. But she would come in. She was so happy. And when she would see you later in the day, she'd say, are you having a happy day? And, you know, as this person came in, it was so annoying in the beginning. It just was. But as this person came in, you know, I kind of began to realize and think about this. She was happy all the time. And you know what I've learned about her over the course of years of working with her? She had a lot of things to not be happy about. She went through some really difficult times during those few years that she worked with us. I think it was five or six years, actually. But during those years, she went through some stuff. But she never came in that she wasn't that person. That was, are you having a happy day? Smack. That's what your flesh wants to do sometimes. But you know what? I began to see her in a completely different light because I thought, you know, this person who's always happy and always up is ministering to more people than I am. And I'm the Christian. Everybody knows Tom goes to church. Everybody knows we're involved in our church. But, you know, I guarantee you that she, during that season of my life, she ministered and encouraged more people than I was. And that's wrong. And I, have to, I had to repent about that. We should be up. We should be positive. We should be happy. Even when, and maybe even more so when we're going through something. Because I don't want your sympathy. I want the word. I want what God has. I want the God answers. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I want to be able, you know how I'm going to get my healing? I'm going to encourage you in getting your healing. I'm going to get my needs met by encouraging you in the needs that you have. By focusing, go back to focus on others as more important to yourselves. We should be happy and positive people. We should be a peculiar people, set apart. That doesn't say weirdo. It says peculiar because we are different. We're happy when the, when the season around us maybe isn't a happy season. You know, even, in, even at work, sometimes I've been around things. I know people are going through stuff. I know something's going on. You'd never know it. Because why? Because in Nehemiah, it says the very answer, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We do not have to get down about any situation that you're facing. Maybe you've gotten down about it. Maybe it's, you know, it's a lot sometimes. But as Brother Craig said, you don't quit. You don't quit and give up in a situation because it gets hard. You press on. You stay happy. Ask people if they're having a pretty day. I don't even know what that means, but it was happy. (laughs) You know what I mean? It didn't matter that it was annoying in the beginning. I started, if she came in and she didn't say it, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Her name was Janet too, not this Janet. But her name was Janet and you would go over and be like, 
everything good? And she'd say, oh, yeah, are you having a happy day? <laughs> having a pretty day? <laughs> she just forgot sometimes. But then you kind of got to where you were like, no, I, I kind of I need your happy day. I need, I need that peppy person. I want to be that person. I want to be the person that comes in and is happier and that, that, that is consistent. I'm not saying I am, but I'm striving to be better. I'm better than I used to be. Amen. We were doing baskets for, for Greater Faith Conference, and somebody just, where well, they were being really nice, and they said, oh, you're just always so happy. And I, I looked at another staff person, and I, and I started laughing. And I said, well, don't ask the staff if I'm always happy. But you know what? Somebody thought I was. That was encouraging to me. And I am, by nature, a happy person because I know what the Lord has done for me. I know what he's taken me out of. I know what he's delivered me. I know what doors of opportunity he has opened. I know myself better than, than, you know, there's things about all of us we don't want put up on the billboards. But I know that God can still use us because we have a heart for him. Amen. We're works in progress, but we can be happy about it on the journey too. Amen. In closing, and this isn't one of the points, but it is a very important fact as it comes to encouragement. And I just wrote down, but without love, because without love, none of these things work. You can go through the motions. We can go back. Let's see. We can go back to number one, and we can recognize that others are more important. We can choose our words carefully. We can uh, not be a Debbie Downer. We can speak faith. That was the real, real message there. We can be quick to forgive. We cannot stir up strife. We can testify the goodness of God. We can stay humble. We can be positive and ooze happiness. But without love, none of it works. And we know that, um, let's, uh, for our closing scripture here, 1 Corinthians 13. We know it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, and this is out of the uh, ESV. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, What does it say? I am nothing. Go back and read that again. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, this is very all-encompassing, and I have all faith so as to move mountains, to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing, it says. This is scripture. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. You can say this with me. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or fails. That's right. Amen. Did you get something out of that? I enjoyed it. I had fun. Stand up with me. I'll tell you something.